Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 6 of Genesis chapter 9. And we're going to start by reading verses 8 and 9. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. Now we started talking about this in our last study. We saw that God is establishing the covenant with Noah and his sons and descendants and um that this is the um, earliest covenant. Well, there, there's mention of a covenant back in Genesis 6 when the Lord is given Noah instructions concerning building the ark. And so this covenant that God has established with Noah and his sons is a covenant that predates the covenant made with Abraham by... 2,500 or or more years, 2,600 years, over 2,000 years and, and several hundred years on top of that, later until Abraham is even born, and then God will eventually make the covenant with him and with Isaac and with Jacob. And the language of a covenant really means that God has said something that God has declared some truth, that that he has given a promise. With Abraham, the promise, the thing that God said to him, had to do with his seed and the land. In Genesis chapter 17, it says in verse 2, And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And then in verse 5, Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, and I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for in everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now here, when making the covenant with Abraham, God speaks of a multitude of a seed that will come forth from Abraham. So that's part of the covenant. There will be a multitude. There will be the seed of Abraham as the stars of the heaven for multitude. And also the land of Canaan will be given to Abraham and his seed. And it's said to be an everlasting possession. 
And the covenant is an everlasting covenant. So concerning these things, um, we speak of a covenant that God made with Abraham, and the sign of that covenant was circumcision. And really, it was just God declaring to Abraham, his servant, one of his chosen people, his elect, certain truths that would apply to all the people of God. The seed, actually, is a a reference to everyone that God truly saves. Uh, We know that because in Galatians chapter 3, God tells us of the covenant. He says in Galatians 3, verse 15, Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant. Yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not into seeds as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. Well, there, there's actually a lot of information in these verses, but one thing we see right away is that the reference to seed was singular, not plural, and had identification with Christ. Christ would come through the line of Abraham. He was the promised seed. Isaac was a type and a figure of Christ. And so God promised Abraham a seed, singular, that would be Jesus. And later on in the same chapter of Galatians 3, the Lord says in verse 29, And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. That is, everyone that uh, God predestinated to obtain salvation is Christ. Everyone that Christ died for, that he he bore their sins, he paid the penalty for them at the foundation of the world. Each one is Christ, and each one is counted for the seed in Christ, and are all heirs of the promise. And so the people of God are spiritual Jews. Uh, we are the spiritual descendants of Abraham. The promise was made to his seed, the Lord Jesus Christ, and all that are in that seed, all the elect. Actually, the promise is not to physical Israel. It's not to the physical Jew, one who is physically circumcised, because will a physical Jew, someone who's not born again, but is in the line of Abraham, is a physical descendant, maybe lives over in Jerusalem or the Middle East today, but is not a, a true believer, does not believe the whole Bible, they, they do not believe Christ is Messiah, will that person receive the land of Canaan 
for an everlasting possession? Of course not. Of course not. The physical land of Canaan is going to burn up at the end of the world. The individual who is a a non-believer is certainly not saved if they don't recognize Christ as God and Savior uh, because Jehovah, I alone, we read in Isaiah, I alone am Savior, and a Savior was born unto us in the city of David, Christ the Lord. So they do not acknowledge nor recognize God, Jehovah, in the flesh as Savior. Therefore, they are not saved. They are not the people of God. And anyone who is not saved will burn up with the creation, with the whole world. And the world, when it burns, it will include earthly Jerusalem, the Middle East, the earthly or physical land of Canaan. It will all burn all physical Jews, that is, uh, physical descendants, but not truly saved, not spiritual Jews, they have not been circumcised in heart, will burn with it along with every other unsaved person with with multitudes of professed Christians and multitudes of Muslims and multitudes of all religions and atheists and everyone else who is not saved. All people that are not saved burn with the world. They receive no everlasting possession. The everlasting possession that the land of Canaan represents is the new heaven and the new earth. Only God's people who are the seed or they're in Christ who is the seed and therefore counted for the seed, they are the true descendants, spiritual Jews of Abraham. And the promises that God made to Abraham, those specific promises in that covenant will be fulfilled when the world ends and, and God's people are translated out of the world uh, through the resurrection or through the rapture and and then they are placed in this new creation that God will create that will be the everlasting possession, that new earth. It, it will not be like this earth. It will not be like this heaven. That will be an eternal habitation. There, there will be no losing it, no curse upon it. it. It will not see corruption. And the people of God will live forever in that glorious place. So when we're reading of a covenant, when when we're reading the word covenant, it really indicates promises that God makes and and God always keeps his promises. He always keeps his covenant. For instance, in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 6, it says in verse 13, For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, 
and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise, the we, we could also say the heirs of the covenant, willing to show more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. God's word is full of promises. And and wherever God has made a promise, wherever actually wherever he has said anything, it is part of his covenant with mankind and, and also part of the covenant with those that he has saved out of mankind. We can see this when we look up the word covenant, berith, in Exodus chapter 24, in Exodus 24 and in verse 7 and 8. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people, and they said, All that Jehovah has said will we do and be obedient. Now this is um, referring to Israel, ancient Israel. They heard the law, the, the book of the covenant, and the law is filled with commands. It's filled with stipulations that must be obeyed. This is the covenant God made with Israel. Obey and be blessed. Disobey and you'll experience curses. And, and so they entered into covenant with God through the book of the covenant. And they said, all that Jehovah has said, will we do and be obedient? And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant, which Jehovah has made with you concerning all these words. Now, uh, of course, they they could not keep the covenant. That's man's uh, great uh, failing, and, and he has no ability to maintain the covenant with God that the law of God has placed upon him. It says also in Exodus chapter 34, beginning in verse 27, And Jehovah said unto Moses, Write thou these words, for after the tenor of these words I have made a covenant with thee and with Israel. And he was there with Jehovah forty days and forty nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water, and he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. The book of the laws, the covenant, the Ten Commandments are the covenant, and the Ten Commandments are a figure to represent the whole Bible, because the number ten points to completeness of whatever is in view. And in this case, it's the commandments of God. It's referring to the completeness of the commandments of God. And God gives the completeness of his commandments in the 66 books of our Bible, Genesis through Revelation, 
until the very last jot and tittle, the last word is written down in Revelation 22, then God ended his communication with mankind. He completed the giving of the law. The commandments of God were finished and and that's what the Ten Commandments represent. It represents the entire Word of God, the Holy Bible. And this is the covenant. The covenant is the Ten Commandments, the complete package of the commandments of God as found in the Scripture. And, and all mankind, remember Romans chapter 7 tells us, is married to the law of God. And man is obligated to keep the law, to be faithful in that covenant between himself and the law, the word of God. We know man is unable to do this, and that's why God refers to the people of the earth as adulterers and adulteresses. They transgress the law. They break the law. Notice what it says in Isaiah chapter 24, in this chapter where God is emphasizing his judgment upon the earth and the inhabitants of the earth. He says in verse 5 of Isaiah 24, The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Now, it's not like they broke the covenant made with Abraham, but they broke the covenant made with mankind. God has made a covenant with mankind. And, uh, you know, we, we see a little implication of this with the covenant in Genesis 9. First, God says "I will to Noah, I will establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. Then he says in verse 10, And with every living creature that is with you, of the fowl, of the cattle, and of every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth, and I will establish my covenant with you, neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood, neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the token of the covenant, which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. So God has a covenant with his people. He has a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, with Noah and his seed. He has a covenant with animals, and animals are the highest form of the creation. And then he he plainly says that he has a covenant with the earth. God has a covenant with all living creatures, and he has a covenant with mankind, the highest form of creature, originally made in the image of God, and and therefore man has a special relationship to God, even in his fallen state, 
God still considers man a responsible agent obligated to keep and to uphold the covenant that God has made with him, and that covenant is the law of God. And that's why um, there are nations of people that have not heard the Bible or uh, the written word of God, but they have the law of God written on their hearts. They have the heavens themselves declaring the glory of God. And mankind knows intuitively that there is such a thing as right and wrong uh, insofar as adultery or lying or stealing or murder. Man has these things written on his heart. And and so there's no excuse. That That's what God says. In Romans chapter 1, you know, we uh, tend to think, well, there there is an excuse for people that are uh, out there in the world and, and they never heard the the commandments of God in the Bible. And, and yet God does not accept that. In Romans chapter 1, he says in verse 17, for... Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold or suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There, There is no justification, no uh, way of dismissing the condemnation of the law against man for breaking the everlasting covenant. And it's an everlasting covenant because the word of God is everlasting. And and the whole word of God, the whole law, is the covenant. And yet man has transgressed. He has broken that covenant. All right, well, uh, again, the whole Bible is the covenant. In Genesis chapter 9, there's a focus on... God promising, God saying, and and speaking that after the flood, He's assuring the world, He's assuring the earth, He's assuring the creatures, He's assuring all people that He will not again cut off all flesh by the waters of a flood. This is the declaration of God. This is what He is stating. What he is saying, and of course everything God says is uh, absolutely true and faithful, and he is entering into a covenant with mankind concerning this point. In, uh, that, that seems to be the primary emphasis here in Genesis 9. We see that idea in verse 11. I will establish my covenant with you, neither shall all flesh be cut off any more. By the waters of a flood. Some people uh, try to say, well, God can't end the world. He can't cut off all flesh at the end of time. 
because he has said he would not do it after the flood in Genesis 9. And basically, they're saying it would be a violation of God's covenant that he made at that time if he ended the world and destroyed all people and animals and the earth itself. It goes against his covenant. But they're reading, uh, you know, with uh, glasses on, uh, seeing things they want to see. And very definitely, God specifies, he says, neither shall all flesh be cut off anymore. Now, if he had stopped there, they might have a point. But he didn't stop there. Neither shall all flesh be cut off anymore by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. If the Lord uh, planned on bringing about the final destruction of all things with another flood, he would violate his word, his covenant. And he will not do that. That We know absolutely there will not be another worldwide flood. But if God destroys the world with fire, as he says he will do in Second Peter chapter 3, then his covenant stands. He, he has not violated the covenant. He's cutting off all flesh. He's destroying all animals, all people. He's destroying the earth itself, but by fire. And so there, again, is no offense. God upholds his word, his decrees here in Genesis 9, and he's upheld them now for over 7,000 years. There has never been a worldwide flood in in the last 7,000 years since the flood, or a little over 7,000 years now, to again destroy the earth. God is very careful concerning what he says, and and when he says something, he certainly means it, and uh, and... He will never violate his own law. That would be a violation of his own covenant. And remember, this is one of the reasons why the Bible tells us that he has magnified his word or law above all his name. He is held, he, he is bound by the covenant. He's bound by the law that he stipulates. The law that God makes is a covenant between him and mankind. And whether it be with Abraham concerning his seed and the land, or whether it be with the the earth itself uh, after the flood, concerning not destroying the world with waters of a flood anymore, God adheres to, he keeps his law. He will not violate it, or whether it be the law that says that uh, when you marry, you're forever married in God's sight or until death. And what God has joined together, man cannot put asunder. God is under that law. That's a covenant that he has made that has application for mankind in this world, but has ongoing application eternally between God's elect, his bride, and their husband, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the wonderful uh, eternal future that awaits. And, and God will uphold that covenant 
forever and ever because his law demands it. His law decrees that he has magnified the law, the covenant, above even his own name. Just because he's God, just because he is the Almighty, the Everlasting One, the One who has given the law, he will not uh, rise above it. He will not say it doesn't apply to me. It has uh, no constraint upon me. No, he submits to it. He enters into covenant with mankind, with the earth, with whatever it is that his word has stated. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over Pal Talk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.